0: There is this truth, really, that what is stored in your long-term memory, your knowledge bank, is very important to your creativity and your ability to innovate.
1: Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital
2: Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Roust. And today, my guest is Chester
0: Santos. How are you, Chester? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. You know what? I... Was looking
2: through podcastguests.com, Actually, I think was the place it might have been matchmaker. Anyways, I like to look every week or so. I go through and I try and see if anybody kind of like jumps out at me as like, this would be a cool person to have on my show. And I saw your picture. I mean, you're wearing the hat now, but people can't see that on the, on the, on their podcast player, but you had the cool hat and you had the title, the international man of memory. And I was like, well, I could, you know, it's kind of intriguing, so I kind of read into your bio a little bit. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do as the international man of memory?
0: Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So I am Chester Santos, also known as the international man of memory. I won the United States National Memory Championship. And after winning that competition, I've gone on to spend the last 13 plus years training people all over the world. It's been now in more than 30 different countries. I've traveled to training people and how they can develop powerful memory skills and use those skills to become more successful in their career, personal life, and also in school. So this is good for people that might have kids or grandkids in school, as well as for those that want to further uh, success in their career
2: sure and i think being able to remember important things that you want to remember without constantly having to have some way to you know write them down or you know something like that is is probably pretty important one you know there's this book i read in the 80s it was called the memory book and it had a, had a few little memory tricks in it but it actually always kind of stuck with me the the introduction in the book they had said that You know, if you're the person who can, you know, remember Bob's kids' names when you see him three months later, or you can remember, you know, that such and such went on a vacation to ask him how their vacation was, it's a a great way to make relationships and stuff. Do you find that memory helps people building, you know, relationships, personal and business?
0: Oh, definitely. So there are so many advantages to having a powerful memory. And I think people don't uh, necessarily realize that at first because we've become very dependent on these digital devices to help us remember. But there are still many, many situations today, even in today's business world, in which it's very advantageous to have a good memory. So you described one situation there, remembering people's names. Definitely, if you meet someone at an event and the next time you see them, you can say, Hey, John. How are you? How's your wife, Nancy? How was your last round of golf? What that person automatically is feeling is, wow, they must be pretty important to you if you can remember those things about them. The most important thing to remember is their name. And then suddenly they in turn are much more interested in getting to know you and what you're about better. So this helps to strengthen relationships. It helps to make you more popular, more likable. Your likability uh, factor affects how well you're going to do in business. So there definitely is that aspect built. building better relationships through remembering names and things about people. Also, there is, you know, better demonstrating your expertise. So when you meet with clients, potential clients, If you can say, hey, here are five, 10 key things that I learned about you and your company in my research. Here are five, 10 key ways as to how my services can help you and offer you an advantage over your competitors. When you're able to do that, maintain eye contact and show that you just know this stuff rather than shuffling through a bunch of notes all the time. You're just so much more impressive. People have more confidence in you and your abilities. This makes you more memorable for sure in today's business world. And then there's also, you know, from training material, making you more efficient, more productive, because a lot of people look the same processes, procedures up 10 plus times, they're looking through their emails, what email had the steps in there (laughs) described, but if you would just commit them to the types of techniques that I teach people, again, there's a lot of benefit, a lot of benefit there in terms of saving time being more productive.
2: So I 100% agree with you on on all those things. I think People really, they feel important to you when you remember and, and not necessarily just their name, but other details about their life that they've told you in the past. And kind of as a side note, I find that when I have people that I'm connected with on social media, whether it's, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, LinkedIn, and I see them post stuff periodically, it kind of reinforces their name to me. So when I see them in person, I'm always like, oh, that's, you know, such and such. But if it's somebody else that I who never posts anything on social media, so their name never comes across, you know, my desk, basically, I have a hard time remembering their name. (laughs) I, I mean, I really do. I've kind of fallen on this crutch of of the social media world to repeat their name back to me 50 times, you know, before I see them again. So definitely there's always, I think something most people who are not the international man of memory can work on with their memory. But I, I wanted to ask you, I was looking at your website. Now, you've been on CNN, ABC, PBS, NBC, CBS, BBC, and the Science Channel. Obviously, you must have a pretty good public relations set up there. Is this something that you kind of do on your own or are you using like a PR agency or an agent or something like that? Uh, I'm just curious about it. So, you know, because we're a marketing podcast, so.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, there's two aspects to this. I do periodically from time to time work with a PR agency, but another aspect of that is as you build up, you know, a few pieces of PR, basically I've built up my name in the field. So if you were to Google memory expert or memory skills expert, I'm going to be the first person that shows up or at least be in the top three there. So this also helps me automatically uh, get future media. So nowadays, when someone's writing an article or they're going to have a TV piece and it has, you know, they would like to have a memory skills expert's input, I just come up and get, you know, I get a lot of media requests automatically without any PR agency nowadays. But definitely in the early days, uh, I used the PR agency and I do, you know, when, when I have a new project that I want to especially promote, then I will work with the PR agency in those instances.
2: Yeah, I love PR. I'm I'm kind of on a big PR kick recently. You know, my company started as a web development and SEO company, and PR is something we never really focused on, you know, for the first decade kind of thing. And uh, recently, just kind of because there is this sort of winner-take-all system in place where, you know, the number one on Google gets... 70% 70% of the clicks, right? And two and three get the next 25% of the clicks, and then 5% goes to everyone else, right? If you're not standing on one of the three podiums at the beginning of a search, then you're not getting found, right? But PR is kind of a way to kind of scoot around the SEO world and and some other worlds, and, you know, get some press. and, But it, I really like the whole kind of image thing you have going on. You know, had you not had that international man of memory and, you know, you're wearing the cool hat and you got a cool picture and everything, right? And it, like the whole image of it all kind of fits together. And it, and it it's the thing that drew me in. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to read this guy's bio, see what he's about. And then I read it and I was like, I totally want to have this guy on my show, right? <laughs> like it wasn't, uh, there was no SEO involved, right? It was totally an image thing. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool, just kind of how it's all done and everything matches. And, you know, you go to your website and it's got the same kind of, you know, similar picture and you and you're wearing matching hat and everything. You got the matching hat going on right now that nobody can see. It's kind of an image thing. I think it's really cool. But hey, I don't want to talk about PR and image the whole time. You had mentioned when we talked before the show that maybe there's an exercise that people can do to start kind of training their memory, I guess, or or learning a, a way to remember things. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I thought we could go through uh, an interactive exercise so that people that listen to this podcast episode or or watch it later, uh, depending on the format, not that they end up you know going through it. In I thought they would like to feel themselves uh, you know developing some new skills while while going through the interview. So yeah, there's just three main principles that memory champions like myself always employ, no matter what the data type is that you're trying to remember, no matter what technique you end up using. One is turn the information into visuals, try to picture what you're trying to remember. So in the case of names, uh, you know, if I'm meeting someone named Mike, I might picture a microphone. If I'm meeting someone named Alice, I might picture a white rabbit because that reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. So visuals are very uh, important. If you can involve additional senses as you can from there, that's also useful because you activate more areas of your brain, you build more connections in your mind to the information. I started an episode of PBS's Nova Science. People can look it up later, just look at my name Chester Santos PBS. I'm sure you'll you'll find the clip. But I performed some crazy memory feats and then brain scientists explained how that was working and they confirmed it's because with these memory techniques that I've mastered over the years and that I teach people we're recruiting more of the brain to help us. And part of that is learning to utilize more senses in order to activate more of your brain. So that's the second thing to keep in mind. And the last thing is, while you are seeing and experiencing all of this, make it crazy, unusual, extraordinary in some way. So those are the three principles. It's all you really need to know. And then you can put them into practice with various techniques. So let's try to, I'm gonna use you as the guinea pig here, Matt. And again, people can follow along that listen to this later. We'll try to commit to memory the following random list of words. It's going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar. So really long list of words there. Normally, if people tried to commit that to memory, they would, you know, repeat it over and over again. They would write it out over and over again, you know, basically to try rote memory. But instead, we're going to try and keep those three principles that I talked about earlier in mind, and I'm going to guide you through a visual, which will involve additional senses in certain cases. And we're going to make it pretty weird. All right. So just do your best, Matt, to visualize what I described to you. That's it. So the first word was monkey. I want for you to just visualize a monkey. All right. The monkey is making monkey noises, whatever monkey would sound like. I'm working on the monkey impression, but try to see it in your mind and also hear it. The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron, like you would iron your clothes with maybe, because that was the next word. So just see in your mind, this monkey is dancing around with this giant iron. The iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel the rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough. Really interact with that rope. Okay. You look up the rope and you see that the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. The kite is flying around in the air. Maybe reach up and try and touch it, but it's just out of your reach, that kite. Let's really see that kite. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Try and picture that. Just visualize that kite crashing into a house. You notice that the house is completely covered in paper. For some strange reason, it's completely covered in paper. Paper was the next word I had given you. Just try to see that paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears. It starts to walk all over the paper. Maybe it's messing it up as it's walking on it. That shoe, the shoe smells pretty badly, so you decide to investigate and see why. You look inside the shoe and you find a smelly worm crawling around inside of the shoe. Just do your best to try and see that worm crawling. Next word was worm. The worm jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope or envelope. Maybe it's going to mail itself or something. I don't know, but envelope was the next word. Out of thin air, magically a pencil appears, and it starts to write all over that envelope. Really see the pencil. Maybe it's addressing the envelope. Just visualize that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river, and there's a huge splash like you wouldn't expect to see when it hits the river. Picture that. Next word was river. The river, you notice, is crashing up against a giant rock, visualize that. The next word was rock. The rock flies out of the river. It crashes into a tree. Picture that. Really see that tree in your mind. The tree you notice is growing cheese. You probably haven't seen a tree like that before. This one is growing cheese. And out of each piece of cheese comes a dollar. All right. The last word was Dollar. Just picture that the dollar comes out. I'm going to run through this again now in about 20 seconds. Just in about 20 seconds, I'll quickly run through it and you will replay through this little story that you've created in your mind. So we started off with a monkey. The monkey was dancing around with what? It was an iron. Just see that. What attached itself? It was a rope. The other end of the rope was attached to what? It was attached to a kite. The kite crashed into a house. What was the house covered in? It was covered in paper. What walked on the paper? It was a shoe. Something was crawling in the shoe. It was a worm. The worm then jumped into an envelope. What wrote on the envelope? It was a pencil. The pencil jumped into the river. The river was crashing into the rock. That rock flew into a tree. What was that tree growing? It was growing cheese. And what came out of the cheese? A dollar. So now, Matt, you should be able to recall pretty easily the entire list of words by simply playing through the story in your mind. And each major object that you see in the story will give you the next word. So I'd like you to just take your time, give it a try, and your podcast listeners can follow along and see how well they do with it. Sure.
2: All right. So do you want me to tell you just the words or you want me to give you the whole story?
0: Just the words. In your mind, you will be playing through the story, but try and just recite the words. All right. So how
2: long did it take you to memorize this story to tell people to test out their memory?
0: Oh, very quickly, but you will get better and better at creating the the stories as you practice. This is a whole new skill, uh, a whole new approach that people would use. So you'll get faster. Don't worry about that for now. But let's see how you do by playing through the story in your head. Let's see how I do.
2: Okay, so monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe. Worm, envelope, pencil,
0: river, rock, tree, cheese, dollar. Woo! 100%. Wow. Nice job, Matt. Great job. Under pressure there, too. I just... Brung that on you. So really well done. So that's called the story method. It's just one of many techniques that memory champions like myself put into practice to pull off what might at first seem like you know extraordinary memory feats, but there's nothing different about my brain compared to everyone else's. I've just learned these types of techniques that are powerful and effective. Of course, this doesn't just apply to random words. It applies to even very complex types of information. If people look at my website later on, they'll see a testimonial from The Harvard Graduate Council, I've worked with Harvard medical students, law students, business students. So even very complex types of information, you just need to learn how to build mental note cards. This could be used for one of those situations that I described, meeting with a client or potential client, just having five, 10 key things uh, that you can list off that you learned about their company or about, you know, how your services can benefit them. You're just going to use the images to basically be like mental note cards or mental Cue cards.
2: Nice. There's a there's a a kind of I I don't know if I would call it a movement, but there is an idea going out into kind of the educational world since everyone has a tablet or a smartphone or something, you know, nearby, or at least they can be supplied those things at school that you don't need as much memorization because you can just look up the answer. Right. However, there's also kind of as an aside from that. It it seems like it's more important to remember maybe things that are important to a story or a process so that you don't have to look it up and you can use those memories to kind of help yourself solve more complicated problems. So there's this kind of trade off, I think, coming in the future in schools where there's going to be less memorizing the times table or what year such and such happened but more of memorization around concepts. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of that happening in the media or not. I guess that's a question of of have you seen that kind of change in how memory is being used?
0: Yeah, definitely. So there is that idea, you know, people don't want to commit things to memory that they could look up. And I don't recommend that in a lot of situations either. But there are definitely things that would be beneficial to you to commit to memory so if you use your memory skills once you develop your memory skills and you use them strategically they can be hugely beneficial again there are certain things up if you if you look something up more than a few times i highly recommend that you just commit that to memory because in the end again it's going to be a time saver you're going to be more efficient Also, there is this truth really that what is stored in your long-term memory, your knowledge bank is very important to your creativity and your ability to innovate. So when you are presented with some new information, your potential creating new connections, new ideas is based on how that new information interacts with what whatever is already stored in your long-term memory, your knowledge bank. If you are lacking a breadth of knowledge, you wouldn't even be able to think of, you know, looking these other things up, right? You would only be able to make these certain new connections, new ideas based on how large of a pre-existing knowledge bank you have. So there are definitely benefits to still learning, committing things to memory, adding to your knowledge base.
2: Right. There's a interesting story that I have not looked up to confirm that it's true. But, you know, people say that, you know, like a story like Harry Potter was written and it only took, you know, four weeks to write this book or how whatever the length of time was. But what they don't count is the 400 fantasy novels that she had read before she wrote Harry Potter. Right. And so having all those ideas in your in your consciousness, right, can really help you create you know, your future work. I a hundred percent agree with that.
0: You got it. You got it. That's exactly what I was describing. So you got it. Yeah, man.
2: Right. It's kind of the same idea as being more, you know, well-traveled. It's the experiences you have. And when you talk about experiences, those are memories, right? So you're being, you're remembering things about other places and other cultures and seeing how other people do things. And that, you know, then affects your future decisions and yeah, I think I think memory is absolutely vital. So, one more question I have is how did you get started in being the international man of memory? Like what was the point that kicked off I'm going to get into doing memory stuff versus, you know, anything else you could be doing?
0: Yeah, so for me it was pretty random. I just happened to be flipping channels one night And I caught a segment on ABC's 2020. It's a popular evening news show here in the U.S. They happen to have a segment on the United States National Memory Championship. And it just sparked my interest because I had often got the comment from people. People often say to me, wow, you have a really good memory. So with those comments from people in the back of my mind, when I saw that episode, I thought, whoa, maybe I can do well in this national memory competition. So I started looking into it and I quickly found out that although I probably was uh, above average in terms of memory ability, I found out that I wasn't on the level of the best people in the country that were memorizing hundreds of names, hundreds of digits, decks of playing cards perfectly in just a few minutes. So that's when I started looking into, okay, what are ways you know as to how one could go about improving their memory from where, where it currently is at? So I did a lot of online research. I read all the books that I could find on the topic. I started experimenting with a bunch of techniques, found what seemed to be working best for me personally, trained myself in that subset of techniques until eventually I did manage to win the United States. States Memory Championship. And since then, I've spent the last 13 plus years training other people around the world. in just a small subset of techniques that I feel are the most effective and that one can put to use right away in their career, their personal life, and also to help their kids or grandkids out in school. But that's that's how it all started, just randomly flipping channels one night.
2: Wow. Yeah, I guess, you know, unless you're going to the casino, memorizing a deck of cards may not be the most important thing to do. But, you know, the other techniques and stuff that you learn to memorize things like you know, processes and patterns and numbers and things like that, I'm sure are are extremely valuable, especially in kind of occupations and stuff where it's important to have that knowledge, you know, at snap of a finger kind of thing, rather than having to go look everything up every time. If somebody wants to learn some of these techniques about memory, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or to reach out to you?
0: Yeah, so if people would like to go further with this. You can go to memoryschool.net. I would visualize a giant, maybe fishing net to remember that it's .net. So it's memoryschool.net. I teach you how to memorize presentations, process processes, procedures, facts, figures, foreign language, vocabulary, training material, and a lot more. It's an entire online school. So memoryschool.net, and I set up code DMM for your audience, for Digital Marketing Masters, I set it for 50 uses. I, I don't, I have no idea how many people that listen to this episode might be interested, but that code should work for the fif- first 50 people to use it. Code DMM at checkout will set the enrollment fee down to $0. So hopefully people check it out.
2: Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes and uh, you can also get uh, show notes and listen to this episode or any other episode at hookseo.com slash podcast. Chester, the international man of memory. Thank you so much for being on the show today and helping us learn how to remember more things.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Matt, for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you.
1: This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.